I appreciate that. So, there we go. Thanks, Nick. So, okay, well, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. We're, we're now finally concluding Ephesians. We're, we're finally at the end of the book, of, uh, well, the section of Ephesians that we're going to look at. Next week is, um, is that Thanksgiving Sunday? No? Well, it depends on if you're before or after, right? I don't know. Okay, we'll find out when it is. Okay, but anyway, we are going to start uh, focusing on holiday issues. We're going to start focusing on Thanksgiving, and uh, and then eventually we're going to go into Christmas as well. I want to talk about a tough subject today. Very tough. I think it's even tougher than what we've been talking about. We're going to talk about some things that I think the Christian church is not proud of. Um... But I think we can be proud of, if that makes sense. Uh, because uh, this issue of slavery is actually has divided the church. I mean, let's be honest. There was, there was groups of churches that believed that slavery was okay, but yet there's also groups that believed it was not okay. I will tell you that had the church not stepped up and the church not gotten involved, we still might have slavery today. Because it's the church that stopped it. I, I don't care what historians say, um, because they're not telling the whole truth. William Wilberforce was a Christian, and he fought for slavery to be ended in England because of his Christian faith. John Newton, who wrote the words, Amazing Grace, you know, he wrote those, he was a slave ship captain who gave his life to Christ and then eventually was involved in the abolition movement to stop slavery. I mean, he talks about how he was haunted by the 10,000 ghosts that he transported into England for, for, for slavery purposes. Um, the United Brethren Church uh, was an abolition church. You could not be a, a member of the United Brethren Church and own slaves. W William Scott Key, the, um, uh, the, the writer of the Star Spangled Banner, at one time owned slaves, became a United Brethren, and then eventually uh, was involved with the abolitionists. Methodism you, you was abolition. As well, I mean, you could not be a Methodist and be involved and, and, and own slaves. Quakers, you know, were that way. I'm not talking about Quaker Oaks. I'm talking about the Quaker movement. Uh, they were also involved in the abolition movement. The Roman Catholic Church was involved in the abolition movement. So we see that the church was involved. But yet, at the same time, there were groups, and I don't need to name them, that said, well, slavery is okay because it's found in the scriptures. But God, especially in, in the Old Testament, and Paul, God, Paul, not, they're not the same, but you know what I mean. Uh, they, they, they gave, um, they, they talked about slavery and how you're to act as a slave because way back then, in the time of Rome, it was such a common thing. It was, they say, that at one time slaves outnumbered Roman citizens in, in, the, in, in Rome. And, and so, such, such part of society, how are you supposed to act as a slave? I don't believe that Paul was saying it was right or wrong. 
I, I believe that Paul was talking about how you are on a mission. And we've been talking about that a lot. That as Christians, we are on a mission, and that mission is to honor Christ, and the way that we honor Christ is through submission. Got that? Because there's so many different voices out there that are telling us what we are to do and how we are to act, and our main mission is to honor Jesus Christ and to point others to Jesus Christ. And the way you do that is through submission. I mean, how many of us have a bad taste in the mouth when you, whenever you see someone that's blocking a road or is involved in any type of civil disobedience? You just you just go, that doesn't honor Christ. Interesting side note to this whole thing. When I was studying uh, for this sermon this morning, or this past week, they were talking about Rome, and they were talking about Christianity in Rome. Do you know it was Christianity in Rome that stopped the slave trade in Rome? Because the slaves became a Christian, and then the, the, the masters became Christians. And we're going to find that there are scripture verses that says that slave and masters were on the same level when it comes to God. And so they were seeing this, and they were saying, wait a minute, this isn't right. We, we should... We should not own slaves. In fact, the church in Rome was actually raising money to buy freedom for the slaves. You don't hear that, do you? You don't hear that much. In ancient Rome, you became a slave. Unlike U.S. history that was involved if you were uh, in, in race, that, you know, if you were part of the African community, that's where we went and got our slaves. But in Rome, you became a slave because you were captured in war. You were a, a sailor. You know, we need some more people on our ship. You grab them and throw them in. You know. Captured by pirates. Or maybe you had hard times coming and you needed money to, to, to keep your property so you would sell your daughter. Or you'd sell yourself. And yes, they did that. You don't believe me? Go to Genesis. And what did, what did uh, uh, Joseph's brothers do to him? Now, they didn't need the money. But what did Joseph's brothers do to him? They sold him into slavery. When you were a slave in Rome, they could do anything they wanted to to you. There's a story of a man named Vinius Paleo who was a slave owner, very cruel. He would throw his slaves into pools of moray eels, eels just as entertainment. There's a story of a, one of his slaves that dropped and broke a crystal glass, so he threw him in a pool of moray eels and they ate him alive. That was the life that they had. It is estimated that in today, there's 49.6 million slaves in the world. In the United States, it's estimated there's 403,000 slaves in the world. Many places in the world, uh, slavery is pretty much the way we envision it, but in the United States, it's found three ways. The sex trade, cheap labor, where you bring somebody from another country in, 
and you threaten them over and over again that if you don't do what we tell you to do, we will deport you. Okay? Here's one that you don't think about. I had someone in my last in my last church that got involved with this. The sales crews that drive around in the summertime that's filled with teenagers and college students. What? Uh-huh. She got involved with it. She was trying to sell, I think, fire extinguishers out in California. They, they pretty much live in a white van. They live in Motel 6 with about 10 people in one room. The leader of the crew pretty much took advantage of them. Use your imagination, yes. They didn't get the sales quota. They didn't feed them. She was actually run over. The uh, sales crew captain, whatever you call him, got angry at him, and so he just ran over. She told me this story when she started coming to my church. Technically not a slave, but she was. You're in California, how do you think you're going to get back to Ohio? I'll give you enough food just to survive if I give you that one. At the time of Paul and Jesus, slavery was not illegal. It was actually an institution. And so what Paul is doing is he's actually addressing it. And remember, we are on a submission, saying that you're on a mission to bring others to Christ. And essentially what he was saying is he was not saying slavery was good. What he was saying was, Use this as an opportunity to bring others to Jesus Christ. All right. Let me, let's go into the scriptures. As soon as I turn this on. Go into the scriptures. Come on. Come on. There we go. Okay, so, so Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, it starts out and says slaves. The, the Greek word for slaves is dulios, Okay. And, uh, matter of fact, you, you get into scriptures, and there's many times that this is actually used. Dulios, so dulios was used to mean actual slaves, as we think about it. But it also talks about how you are a slave to sin. It also talks about how Peter and Paul were slaves to Christ, where they put their will aside to honor Christ. Everything they did was to bring glory to Christ. Uh, Christians are, are considered slaves. We're considered slaves to God. And uh, Jesus was a slave as well. What you say, well, he was a slave? Yes, he was. Let me let me show this to you. Um, come on. I have a scripture passage here. No, I don't. I didn't put it in there. I am wrong. But anyway, you get in Ephesians chapter 2, and it comes right out and says, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to grasp, but made himself nothing to call the form of a servant. Your translation says servant. It was the real translation should be slave. Took on the form of a slave, came to this earth, and died on the cross for us. So God became man and became a slave for us. Not a servant, a slave. Okay. So it says, slaves, dolios, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Oh, I don't like this. We'll get to it. Understand? 
obey them as slave masters, not only to, to win their favor, in other words, they'll be nice to you, when their eyes are on you, but as slaves of Christ, so they see Jesus in you. That's what he's saying. Do Doing the will of God from your heart. He's saying, live in such a way that they can see Jesus. Got that? We, we've talked about submission. We talked about mutual submission. This uh, last month we talked about how husbands are to um, are to um, take care of the wife. We talked about how the wife is to submit to the husband. We talked about children last week. They have one one job. Children have one job, and that's to obey. They can eat, drink, and sleep in the house, but they have to obey. And, and all that involves submission. And I said, wives, they submit to their husbands so that they can bring them to Jesus. Husbands, you love your wife in such a way where you're willing to die for her so that you can bring her to Jesus. Nothing turns people off more than rebellion. I mean, I just, this new thing's happening in, 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 in England right now where these activists are, of course, sitting in the roads like they have been, but now they're going to masterpieces and they're throwing uh, tomato soup on masterpiece artwork. One guy actually glued his head to one of the masterpieces. And you're saying, I would never follow you. Okay? Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord. The Bible comes right out and says this. Whatever you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So when you pack the shoeboxes this week, you are packing the shoeboxes as if you're giving this shoebox to Jesus. Would if, if this shoebox was going to be given to Jesus, would you put that stuff in there or would you put something else? That something else is what you should be putting in there. I'm, I'm a firm believer in this. When, when there's hurricanes and all this other stuff that happens, Haiti, Jamaica, whatever, when you, when, you, when you bring a clothing drive, the ship clothing down there, I do not believe it should be your second-hand stuff because whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done them unto me. You should go to Walmart, Kohl's, and still have the wrapper on them and give it because whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done them unto me. Not second-hand, but the best. A number of years ago, Jamaica had a hurricane we organized a clothing drive. We had to go to Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. We took a whole pickup load of stuff to Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. Food, clothing, whatnot. We took to Jamaica. And I told the church, I said, now, remember, this is Jamaica. It's a hot climate. We don't want sweaters. We don't want coats. And what did the church bring? Sweaters and coats. And clothing that I will not even describe to you. Whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done them unto me. So serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord. It includes your master. Okay? Because you know that the Lord will reward. Here's the key. The Lord takes notice of it. When you are willing to submit and sacrifice for the case of Christ, He knows it. He takes note of that. In fact, in the book of Revelation... There are those who gave their life to the Lord so much so that they were sacrificed or martyred. You know where they sat? They were given a place, they are given a place of honor in heaven. They are under the altar of Almighty God. 
a place of tremendous honor. And this is, this is what he's saying. God will reward you. God takes notice. He knows if you go back to your master for the sake of bringing them to Christ. He knows if you're willing to submit to your husband for the sake of bringing them to Christ. He knows if you're willing to love your wife to the point where you're willing to literally die for her for the sake of bringing her. He knows that. And he takes notice of that. Many of the rewards will be in the life to come. It will not be in this life. I don't care what prosperity gospel says. Most of the rewards will be in the life to come. Then he goes on to verse 9. Um, now let's stop there. I'll get to verse 9 a little bit later. Okay, so what he's saying is, is that God knows the sacrifice you make for the mission, and God rewards those who sacrifice for the mission. He knows it. He sees it. Then, now I'm going to go to verse 9, and masters. See, Paul does not talk about the slaves. He's talking about the masters. He says, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and shows no favoritism with him. So what he's saying is, is and this is, this is the coup. This is the coup that's happening. Because Paul started teaching this, and the church started implementing this, they put slaves and master on the same level. They were saying they're human. Remember what I said back in that culture in Rome, women were considered property? Paul brings them up to where we're on the same level. We're human. In fact, in, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 38, it states this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. All are one in Christ Jesus. What a, what a statement that was in the time of Rome. Because they had this caste system. And they're saying, these slaves, the one that you throw to the moray eel, have just as much value to God as the, as the master up here. And then he talks to the masters. Treat them with dignity. Treat them. And this brings out the instructions that Paul gives the entire time. Submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Okay, so now you're saying, Pastor, wonderful. You're talking about slaves. It doesn't affect us in Mercer County. By the way, a couple years ago we had something in Mercer County that was really close to us. But what is, how does it apply to me? Let's talk about this. We may not have masters and slaves in our county, but we do have employees and employers. Okay? Okay. When you're an employee, your job is to go in and to submit to what the employer tells you to do. You are to do it his way. 
If you have a suggestion, you respectfully go to their employer and say, hey, you thought about this idea. We had a, I was in Jamaica one time, and uh, this, this guy comes up and says, I'm a chef! I'm a chef! Yeah, I'm a chef. But my employer, he doesn't listen to anything I say. Okay, well, he doesn't want to listen to you. But, but, but I have good ideas. Good, good, good ideas. And I'm a chef. So where do you work? Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> I said, well, they probably aren't going to listen to you there. <laughs> okay. But his job was to put the 11 herbs and spices together to make the chicken. All right? And you do it their way. And so, what Paul, and so you saying, that's your job. Now, now employer E, employers, your job is to, in some respect, take care of your employees. I know that's weird. But what you're doing is, is you're paying them a wage to give eight hours of their time to you so that they do what you want them to do, their way, your way. Got that? So that's that exchange kind of what's happening. And so what there's, essentially what Paul is saying is this. The greatest employees are the ones who serve. The greatest employers are the ones who serve. Okay? So, um, you've heard of places where people want to work because they're taken care of, right? So, what Paul is saying, and we're bringing it to modern standards, is this. Employers, treat your employees to where people go around and say, you want to work there. You want to work. Yes, you always got that jerk of an employer, I mean, employee, I mean, you always got that, right? You'll always have that everywhere. But employees, especially you Christian ones, you work in such a way that when you leave that place, they are crying. They should never be, yes, he's gone, finally, and they're doing the jig as you're, as you're leaving. No. You work in such a way that they cry when you leave because you are honoring Christ. And they see Jesus in you. That's the key. And when you are there and they see Jesus in your life, it will impact them. I was at a meeting last night in an emergency meeting some organization I'm involved with and they were talking about this, that, and the other thing and they said, what, what do you think, Arnold? And they all know I'm a preacher. They, they, I think they try to get me to <laughs> see if I can lose my cool or something like that sometimes. But, but, but I looked at them and said, you know, I'm in the business of grace. I believe that we should give the person grace. <clears throat> then there was a however, but I'm just saying we display it to others. I had a guy one time on the fire one of the fire departments I was on hated my guts. Oh my goodness! Every 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 organization I'm on, somebody hates me just because I'm a pastor. It just it, it it comes with the territory. I know it's going to happen. And so I was on this fire department, 
and this guy just, he just did not like me. He treated me really bad at one of the scenes, and uh, the chief went up to him and says, you are to apologize to Darwin how you treated him. He says, I will not, I will quit first, and the chief said goodbye, and he left. About uh, six months later, he was, uh, um, he wanted to get back on, and they came to me and said, what do you think? And I said, hey, I'm in, I'm in the forgiveness business. I don't care. Bring him back on. But I do believe he needs to be on the lowest tone bowl because he quit and everything, but that's the way it's got to be. So guess what happened? He got back on. He still hasn't apologized to me, but you know what? It showed them all grace. It showed them forgiveness. He got back on. I eventually left the department because I moved to Finley, and then and then he eventually, I think, became uh, assistant chief or something like that. I'm not 100% sure, but... But it would be nice to say that he saw Jesus in me. It would be nice to say that he gave his life to Christ. He never did that I'm aware of, but I'm going to tell you, at least I showed him Jesus. And that's what we should be doing. Because as the employers and employees, our submission is to honor Christ, to show others Christ, and to serve the Lord. That's the job. And that's how, and I'll be honest with you, I struggle with this sermon. I, slaves, I mean, you might tell me to go back, and I'm a slave. I, mean, I struggle with it. But when I understand what Paul's saying is, your job is to honor Christ, honor, show others Christ, and serve the Lord. By you going back, you might be able to bring somebody to Christ. And isn't that our main goal? See, life has a purpose. And our purpose is Jesus. And our purpose is Christ. And sometimes that means submission, and sometimes that means sacrifice. And even doing some things you don't want to do, but you know what? I'm going to show others Jesus. That's what it's all about. Next week, let's talk about attitudes of gratitude. And let's talk about how great our God is everything you've given to us. We're going to change gears. Let's pray. We thank you for what your word has taught us, O Lord. May you be with us. Be with us all. Help us to value submission as hard as it might be. Help us to know that we're on a mission. Our mission is to show others Jesus. Even if it means some hard, hard compromises. Help us, Lord. We thank you. Jesus' name. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.